Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Fuel Your Fandom Podcast. My name is Saint. And I'm Jim. And we want to welcome you back. Now, today uh, is a bit different. Obviously, the sound's going to be a little bit different. We're, we're kind of taking a different approach today. We have a special guest. We'll get to that in a second. But uh, nonetheless, we are happy to be in your ear holes again today. Um, as we always try to remind you, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash fuel your fandom. You can hit us up in our Gmail, uh, which is fuel your fandom at gmail.com. And we also have a backup email at fyftalentbooking at gmail.com. If you have an idea for a show, would like to be a guest on the show, know somebody who'd like to be a guest on the show, or increasingly, if you have a pie recipe you'd like to send us, that's where you want to send that. And if you're looking for us on any of your favorite podcast platforms, you can find us on Stitcher, Player FM, Google Podcasts, Spotify, all the great places. But our primary website is going to be at fuelyourfandom at buzzsprout.com. And the latest and greatest episode will always be up there for you to stream into your face. Absolutely. Jim, how are you doing today, man? You know, I'm good. I'm doing a little bit of traveling, visiting some friends, so I'm kind of taking the show on the road a little bit. Um, Aaron probably doesn't see this, and uh, I'm jumping the gun a little bit on the introduction of our guest there, but you can see behind <laughs> me, I've got a different backdrop than usual, so uh, that's a nice thing to have. Now that COVID is, is uh, kind of, if not over, at least receding into the rearview mirror, uh, I'm able to sort of get out and be a little bit more social, which is really, really nice, and uh, looking forward to having a summer this year. It's, much, ne- it's much needed, and, and uh, I, I haven't gotten the chance to get out and do a whole lot yet. I'm still kind of playing it a little bit safe with the the mask. I have to wear the mask at work and so everything else. And so uh, I've been just kind of uh, playing it safe and, and being as cautious as I can until at least my daughter can get the, 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 the vaccine. So Right. Yeah, I sang karaoke to... for the first time in about 18 months on oh, did last you? Thursday. Yeah, and of course, it was a really, the thought even a month or two ago of walking into a crowded bar full of people and then walking up and grabbing a public handle <laughs> and then <laughs> shoving a thing like an inch from your face that 50 other people had just done like an hour ago. Uh, but there was, I was there with a group of friends and we had all planned this meetup and and uh, it wound up being a really great evening after we all got over the sort of like initial nervousness of, hey, are we really supposed to be out with our faces open and everything? We, it kind of felt like being ungrounded on the first day of summer vacation. <laughs> no, I get that. And, and I kind of feel like I'm going to have that little bit of trepidation, too, when I just go into a restaurant and casually yeah. sit down and 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 don't have to wear a mask and everything. I mean, we all kind of forgot how to be social. Well, you, it's true. It's absolutely true. We've become hermits living in our... Uh, our little caves and, and trying to avoid everything. So, but I'm looking forward to movies again. I'm really looking, I mean, I like streaming movies. I like bringing them into my home and watching like all the HBO max shit and everything. But I mean, I'm really looking forward to just the bucket of popcorn and the sticky floor, you know, sticky floor and the, you know, just having the experience again. And, and hopefully that'll be something that, that endures. So, but speak, speaking of movies, that kind of leads me into today's topic. Now, Jim, uh, we, we uh, have promised that we were going to have more and more guests uh, as the season rolls along. And, of course, a lot of, uh, a lot of guests are, are harder to get a hold of these days with uh, COVID restrictions and everything like that. But mm-hmm. uh, we have managed to finagle, wheedle, and secure a new guest for today. I'm going to let you introduce him. I'm going to let you introduce him. All right. Him. 
Our guest today is a, a longstanding friend of mine. I won't say an old friend of mine because we're all creeping up there a little bit and I'm not going to insult this man because he's one of my favorite people of all time. <laughs> uh, our guest today is Aaron Derive. He is a writer. He is a podcaster. He is a raconteur and a man about town. And uh, as I said, one of my all-time favorite people. And the reason we brought him on the show today, apart from being just an all-around um, fantastic person to talk to, um, the, the, the primary raison d'etre for, for uh, having Aaron on the show today is today we're going to talk about Star Wars video games. And you actually said to me a while ago, um, we want to talk about this on the show. And I said, I have the absolute perfect guest because uh, in addition to being uh, the co-host and co-founder of the Gentleman Nerds podcast, um, being a fantastic, accomplished young adult author, uh, it, it, having written the book uh, Blade Singer, uh, Aaron has also written, uh, worked as a writer on several very well-received and incredibly um, awesome Star Wars video games. Uh, so I thought, who better to talk about Star Wars video games than, than the guy who literally has laid the groundwork for the narrative that has, has helped us create all of our experiences. So please help me welcome to the show, Aaron Diarive. Thank you. Thank you so much. Aaron, what welcome a wonderful to the program. I know. How do, you, how do you live up to that? Jesus. <clears throat> well, I'm going to walk around today, all today, calling myself a raison d'etre. So, um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I've already it up started for out. us, boy. Yeah, I've already started out with a, a very good today. So, no, thank you so much, guys. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, I had, uh, I, I knew that Jim was involved with a podcast. And as Jim mentioned, uh, I am one of the co-creators and co-hosts of the Gentleman Nerds podcast. Uh, you can find Fantastic. us at thegentlemannerds.com. Uh, and we are available on God knows iTunes and wherever other uh, uh, podcasts are available. I, I don't keep track of all that stuff. Um, but uh, <clears throat> yeah, we usually spend you know time talking about all things nerdy, games, movies, TV shows, comics, uh, uh, other things involving popular culture. And when Tim said, hey, when Jim said, hey, wait, we're doing the same thing. I'm like, well, then we should have an alliance. We should meet up. I'm totally ripping you off. So, uh, you know, <laughs> no, no, no. validate us. No, validate that sounds great. And I've been wanting to do other podcasts. Uh, quite honestly, I'm actually glad I got this opportunity. And I, I hope to be invited back. Um, because um, I, like, we'll I like doing gentlemen see. nerds. I love doing gentlemen <laughs> nerds. But I really did want to start doing, um, like one of our other co-hosts, for example, um, Mark Finn does uh, the Chromecast, which is a show about uh, oh, Robert E. Howard. Yeah, and yeah, and, and he loves it. He loves it. He gets to get on there, and he's a he's a fairly well known uh, Robert E. Howard scholar. Uh, wrote a fantastic book, Blood and Thunder, and um, and uh, he just gets to be, you know. That'd wax. be a great name for a podcast, just the Blood and Thunder <laughs> yeah, podcast. Yeah, no, it's, it's a it's <laughs> yeah. a great it's a great book. I'll give a plug to his book, uh, Mark Finn, Blood and Thunder. Um, it's basically a story of Robert E. Howard uh, and his works, um, <clears throat> and he has a great time over there. And I've always said, gosh, you know, I, I, I mean, I'm not a Robert E. Howard scholar, but I want to get on other podcasts. What can I do? And then, of course, Jim said, hey, you know a lot about Star Wars, right? And I said, well, yeah, kind of I do. And he says, well, then guess what? We'd like you to be a guest on, on our podcast. And I went, well, that's, And that's the kind of the cool thing about our podcast, too, is, uh, is uh, and, I, and I say this all the time. I'm pretty sure I've talked about this like half a dozen, a dozen times. It's a, uh, I, I could have easily done a podcast when I started this whole thing about Oh, comic books, or I could have done a podcast about like, you know, Star Wars or Star Trek or uh, any one of the myriad other video gaming. I mean, anything else that I'm interested in, because my my uh, my hobbies and, and interests kind of run the gamut. But I wanted to make sure that it 
if I did a podcast that my podcast was able to run that same gamut, the same way that my brain in its ADD riddled fashion kind of, uh, touches base on a lot of different, uh, uh, nerd genre, nerd franchise. I wanted to be able to talk about that. And so when I sat down and thought of the title for the program, the fuel your fandom podcast, I really, and I came up like the first thing I came up with was the tagline. And it's going to be on t-shirts. I swear to God, I'm going to put this on a t-shirt sometime. (laughs) <laughs> but uh, at the end of every show, I say that uh, uh, everything is fandom and fandom is everything. And I mean that because it's like uh, everything is rife and open to talk about. Anything someone gets passionate about is 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 a fandom. It's their fandom. And, and so yeah. I didn't pigeonhole us into one particular uh, topic or one particular branch of things that we could talk about. I kind of left it open on purpose because, you know, me and Jim want to have a whole episode talking about we talk about pie recipes now and funny things like that. We can do that. We could talk about uh, cooking and we have, we can talk about video games. We can talk about, you know, music, movies, you know, whatever yeah. we want to do. But, but a while ago when you said, you know, we talk about video games a lot as kind of just a general industry or a general hobby or pastime, but because both of us have some very uh, formative experiences in our video game history with Star Wars video games, he said, I, should, we, I want to do an episode about Star Wars video games. And I thought, I have just the guest because <laughs> I, I'm not going to, um, to blow up your spot. I would actually like, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you on the spot a little bit because I want you to kind of, if you can, run down for us um, sort of your history with, with Star Wars, the, the, the LucasArts and Star Wars uh, video game universe, because it is um, extensive and I've played the games and I love the games and I love them even more knowing that, that you were a part of, uh, of their creation. So I'm not going to tell your story. I, I would like you to tell your story. So whatever <laughs> you want to let us know about your experience with that, that franchise, I want to hear it. And I know the folks listening do as well. Oh, well, sure. Um, uh, now my, my, my hope here is that we are going to talk about, cause when, when we, when I knew we were going to talk about star Wars, uh, you know, for, my first thought was, my God, I, I could spend hours talking about Star Wars. Yeah, for um, sure. And uh, and and yeah, you know, the 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 idea of Star Wars, how it started, when we were first exposed to it, its effect on our uh, culture and such, uh, is right. something I hope we explore here today. Uh, well, you know, yeah, really well, we can are, start there. Yeah, we can yeah. start there. You can, well, you can yeah, start and with exactly history, that. You know, it, it's just like the podcast. It's like we we can we uh, we had originally wanted to touch base on on a video game topic, but uh, once we kind of sat with the idea oh, no, a little bit so more and more, yeah, yeah it's, this is it's so much it, bigger. Exactly that. It's huge. And and well, then your personal history with Star Wars. I want to hear whatever you want to tell us because I know being a the, the ascended fan who obviously was 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 in love with the universe and the movies, and then actually got to work on some properties. That has to have been an incredible journey. Uh, it was. Uh, I I was one of the lucky ones who saw Star Wars when it opened in the summer of 1977, um, and uh, I remember seeing a a, a a trailer. You know, came on TV, um, and you can find it on YouTube if, if you look for the original Star Wars trailer. Um, by today's standards, it's actually it's actually kind of dull. You're like, oh, really? Hmm, that was a trailer. Um, <laughs> but back then, you know, it, it's it's particularly the part where you know the, the 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 voiceover saying, you know, it's it's a it's a universe of 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 good and a universe of evil and this kind of thing. And when he says the evil thing, you know, it's Darth Vader turning to look at Princess Leia in the in the, in the prison. And I remember that image more than anything, really stuck in my mind. 
I, yeah. I remember being a kid, my eyes got really wide, and I was like, whoa, who's that? What's that? What's going on? We'd never um, seen anything like Darth Vader before. No, Unless you're no, like a hardcore no. fan of like Kurosawa, where a lot of that imagery comes from. But right, in Western yeah. I mean, cinema, that was robots, a unique thing. I'd seen yeah. cyborg bad guys, you know, whatever. But, but what was this? Yeah, the design of Darth Vader. Uh, uh, and, and and we'll get into the the the, the beauty and the symmetry of the, the design of Star Wars. But uh um, yeah, no. So I was I was hooked, and I couldn't wait. I couldn't wait to go see this movie. And then, so funny story, I finally, uh, you know, convinced my parents. Okay, you know, let, take me to this movie. I rounded up my friends, and uh, my mother is notoriously late to everything. You know, I grew mm-hmm. up. My childhood was never seen the beginning part of any movie, any movie that I went into. <laughs> I would always go into a movie 15, 20 minutes into the movie, uh-huh. and it was really frustrating. So, so and now course, I get pissed if I miss the fucking trailers at this point. I know, I know, and, and it has. It has developed in me a mania where I will bug <laughs> everybody that I'm with and force them to go to the movie before the trailers begin. Um, but so we go into Star Wars, and I'm I'm so upset, and you know, Mom, we're gonna be late. And, no, don't rush me. You know, you want to go to this movie or not? That kind of thing. So we get there, <laughs> and um, they're already in Tatooine. They're on the oh. land speeder. Um, so I missed the. You missed beginning. the intro. Yeah, yeah, I missed the entire oh. beginning. The entire inciting incident, as they say in these screenwriting. And community. and they stop right, and Luke is jumping out, and Ben's and and somebody's saying, you know, I, I can't abide these jealous, disgusting creatures. Uh, and I'm like, well, who said that? I don't know the robots can talk, right? So I'm like, did the old guy say that? Who said that? <laughs> and one of my friends turns around and, and turn, leans over and says, it's the gold robot, dude. Shut up. And I'm like, oh, okay, sorry. Um, but yeah, but we, we did what a lot of kids did back then. We, we got, we, we left the theater after the, the movie, which was an incredible experience. Um, went to the bathroom, hung out for a while, came back and sat in on the next showing. So you could piece um, it together. Correct. So I finally, yes, I got to see that amazing introduction, uh, of the, of the star story going over and all that. And so, so yeah, like, no, like it before I, or since really. That that moment, that moment, it, it's going to sound so so trite and cliche, but that moment absolutely changed my life. I, I loved movies up to that point, of course. Yeah, and I was a big fan of sci-fi and, and fantasy, the Ray Harryhausen movies, and and sci-fi on TV and stuff like that. And you're that. a big the, Dune fan, which I've always appreciated. Uh, oh yes, God, no, I, I, oh my, I, we can do an entire. By the way, we should. <laughs> uh, when Villeneuve's movie comes out, I'll come back. And it's we will do an entire episode on Dune. I can go on for hours about Dune. Um, but yeah, when I saw Star Wars, that that kindled my interest in a way that hadn't before in movies, in movie making. When, yeah. when I saw Star Wars, I, I suddenly had an understanding of like, oh, somebody makes this. Somebody, a, a crew sits down and they conceive of this and they come up with the costumes and they write the story and there's actors and they film it. Um, and so that really began my interest in film production and filmmaking, film writing. Yeah, um, understandable. So, yeah, that, that's why I think that's so important uh, uh, a moment for me, because uh, there was there was how I viewed movies before Star Wars and then how I viewed movies after Star Wars. And of course, after Star Wars, uh, countless articles on Starlog and other things would come out telling you about how the movie was made. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you would get the effects guys talking about it. You'd get the costume guys talking about it. And you'd get Lucas talking about it. And and so, yeah, I became really interested in 
this is somebody crafted this universe. Somebody the built- days of miniatures and matte paintings. Yeah, and, and, <laughs> and so yeah, it just the enormity of it uh, struck me, and and I was I was obsessed. I I, I yeah. got I, everything I could get my hands on involving movie making, not just for Star Wars at that point, right? Just movie making in general. A, mm-hmm. The movie the making of Alien, the making of Blade Runner, the making of anything. I became completely obsessed with reading as much as I could. Uh, about it but that was that was my introduction to the very first long before it was called by the way episode uh, what four whatever the <laughs> hell it was no 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 it, it just said star, star wars there yeah. was no episode in it or anything like that uh, well, and the- yes han shot first so, uh, <laughs> <laughs> there you go <laughs> how thank did, you but how did how did you guys come to the, the your first viewing well and i just want to kind of set back and, and talk about that real quick for a second because you said that uh mm-hmm. Uh, that it inspired in you this love of filmmaking. And I, of course, I also went to, to uh, school for filmmaking and writing and things like that. And, and, and what we see in Star Wars is the same kind of formula, the same kind of pattern uh, that we see in all these other movies as well. This coming of age tale and, and uh, coming into power and fighting the evil rebellion and, or fighting the evil uh, empire and all that. We see yep. that same kind of imagery and symmetry in all these different uh, young adult movies now and things like that, because uh, he followed the Joseph Campbell method and, and he, mm-hmm. he definitely followed that uh, specific kind of ideal, like almost to the point, like where you can substitute, like for, for instance, Harry Potter, uh, you could see the same kind of thing in Harry Potter, which or, I hate to Or Neo or Katniss later. Everdeen, where you have right. you know, yeah. your protagonist yeah. in the world of the known. Then there's an exciting incident. They cross into the unknown, meet the wise mentor, and learn about yeah. their larger place in the universe, Absolutely. and then almost lose and then come back and then return to the original imagery. It's, it's a tale as old as time, but, but if you have compelling characters and a great story and fantastic dialogue and amazing settings like this, it can seem fresh time after time after time. But yeah. I think I, I came to Star Wars kind of... Um, not late, but not, I wasn't, um, I, I think the first movie that I saw in the theater, because I remember my, one of my mom's first jobs uh, growing up was uh, in the early days of video rental, when, when, when VHS and beta were still a thing. Um, my mom got a job at a video rental counter inside a department store before there were actual uh, dedicated stores where you could go and rent movies before. Yeah, like blockbusters at, and such, yeah. Yeah, at the dawn of the home video rental market. Nice. And those days they would they would rent you the movies and rent you a, a suitcase lined with foam that had a VCR in it that you could take home and hook up to your TV. Ah. So I remember watching um, the, the first Star Wars film and um, Empire Strikes Back on VHS. And I think the first film that I actually saw in the theater was Return of the Jedi after I'd seen both of those two on VHS on, on, on a, uh, uh, an old console television that was uh, 3,000 pounds that sat on the floor that had a, uh, an integrated stereo on the top of it uh, sometime in the very nice. early 80s. Nice. But then it was, I believe, 83 was Return of the Jedi. So that was the first time. I was uh, uh, pretty young, but a, you know, a bunch of kids who had watched the movies um, at home, just, you know, like like you, Aaron, we, we convinced our parents to take us to see that because we wanted to kind of experience this giant epic space opera in the way that it was intended to be experienced by the filmmakers. And so that was, Jedi was really my first experience seeing it on the big screen. But but by that time, I, I had already fallen in love with the universe and the characters just having watched the, the stuff at home. Nice. And see, and I wasn't as lucky. I, I, I'm a, let's see, I'm what, eight years old by the time Return of the Jedi came out and, and we were kind of poor growing up so the, my first exposure to it was uh through uh home video release and and like hbo and in fact i yeah. specifically remember it being on hbo because 
that that super long HBO intro that they always had before <laughs> the fucking movies and everything. I just yeah. Yeah. sitting through that and just going, come on, get to the we all know it. We I'm gonna have early CGI flying through computer space. But yeah, so sitting through that, and of course I had all the toys and 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 whatever toys yeah. I could get my hands on at that point, and you know, and and my first actual theatrical experience wasn't till the uh, uh, till the re-releases, honestly, and which mm-hmm. is sad because I, at that point, by the time that the the re-releases had come out, I was already so steeped, admired in the Star Wars universe by reading all the books and right. and like you said, all the magazine articles I could get my my grubby little hands on, yeah. and uh, uh, all the lore and all of the the different. Uh, ephemera for whatever i could find yeah. uh i was already so steeped in that universe that it was like i, f- I felt like i knew everything and and i'm still finding things to love about it which is kind of neat uh because it's, it's just star wars in and of itself is is so deep as far as the well that you can tap into as far as like well, previous to them ex- destroying the extended universe, how they did, but <laughs> yeah. um, but as far as like the extended universe that uh, has all gone away, I used to have like an ungodly amount of that information floating around in my noodle and uh, video games and 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 everything else. It was just like I had all of this knowledge floating around in my head from, from the games and from the movies and from the books and from and in fact. Like to a point that we, uh, me and my my one of my best friends, uh, Doctor Robert Moorhead, he's been on the program a couple of times. Uh, we used to have like these. You remember the, the Trivial Pursuit game, the Star Wars Trivial Pursuit? Yes. And uh, uh, just like and just the deep, deep dives of knowledge and information. We would go card for card with each other and take points, and just trivia 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 and see who was the deeper geek and i think i ended up beating him by like three points but it was just like the stupidest questions like like how many pips were on so-and-so's jacket and, and it's like oh it's just crazy but uh, i've been so steeped in this knowledge for so long and so integrated as a part of who i am that like if i were to say i was going to do a star wars podcast nobody would have been any kind of surprised it would have just right. been like oh yeah of course he is he's a star wars fan and right. people always try to conflate one to the other it's like oh you can be a star wars fan or you can't be a star trek fan or you you know they always try to say you got to pick one which one's better which one it's like but that's the glory of being a nerd you don't have to pick anymore there's no. such a plethora of entertainment that you can just do whatever the hell you want and just sometimes love. that winds up being a little bit of an issue. Like I know there are several times we've talked about, <laughs> uh, either privately on Facebook or on the show, <clears throat> excuse me, when you say, have you seen this series? Have you watched this? And I, I keep on having to, I've fallen behind on a lot of things. I mean, even during COVID when streaming is just so ubiquitous. No. You know, have, have you seen like this series? Have you watched that? And I have a ton of stuff on my to get to list, but I still, there's just, it is a great time to be a geek between the movies, between the video games, between the comic books, uh, and not even just Star Wars, but in general. But I mean, specifically for, for if you are a fan of a certain property, if you're a fan of a certain piece of, 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 uh, of intellectual property or universe, you're going to be spoiled for choice. I mean, mm-hmm. all the spinoff stuff that they're putting on Disney Plus right now between continuing seasons of The Mandalorian, The Bad Batch being out, and they're, they're, they're talking about doing all kinds of things on, on the small screen plus. You know, they're trying to always find new ways to to bring movies, like whether it's a, 
a sort of side story like a Rogue One or a Solo, or they're going to talk about maybe firing up the main universe again, whatever they want to do. It, you, you as, as If you're a fan of a given property, you really are kind of like drowning in media. And that's a good problem to have in a lot of ways. It's kind of bad if you're busy in work and have a family, don't have a ton of time or a ton of money to spend on kind of indulging your, your fandoms. But but that stuff is out there. And if you want to consume it, if you want to live in that, it's just like, you know, you're soaking in it. If you want to do that, you have the option of doing that. And it's kind of a beautiful thing. Yeah, we've talked about that on Gentleman Nerds, where we live in a time where it's an embarrassment of riches. Oh, yeah. definitely. Um, I could not have imagined when I was 12, uh, turning on the television and then trying to decide among the dozens of superhero <laughs> and sci-fi and fantasy shows uh, that, that to pick from. You know, I had to watch some really bad stuff when I was a kid, and <laughs> and, all we had. and appreciate it. Yeah, oh, are you kidding? No, I love those Beastmaster movies. Um, oh, but, uh, Beastmaster! <laughs> yeah, I fucking love the Beastmaster. Yeah. But, but <laughs> so bad. That's it. Is I I I I yeah. I totally agree with you, Jim. I cannot understand how anyone today. Uh, could even begin to complain about, ah, eh, there's nothing to watch. Well, not that I've heard anybody say that, but oh yeah. my goodness. My kids. It's just so often the opposite problem. You know, yeah, there's just so too much, much to watch. There's so much. I, I, can't, I don't have time to play all the video games I want. I don't have time to watch all the TV I want. Um, it, it's, it's, it really is just, we're, we're absolutely, it's, it's the best time to be a geek that I've been alive for, yeah. for sure. Absolutely. And, and if, you've, if you're not watching the movie, you're watching a dozen YouTube videos of people opining about the movie. Oh, yeah. And, and upcoming things and by the way a little bit of trivia here which i find fascinating for the history of yeah. star wars sure. uh, star wars exists because um a couple of other companies uh, uh wanted to mimic uh an already existing ip right so um originally uh the the when buck rogers came out and was very successful you had a rival uh magazine uh, newspaper that wanted something like buck rogers and they didn't know what to do and they saw how popular it was. They said, this is great. You know, we're going to get so many readers. So they created Flash Gordon. That is how mm. Flash Gordon came about. They wanted to copy Buck Rogers. So fast sense. forward several decades, uh, Lucas <clears throat> tried desperately to get the rights to Flash Gordon. And he couldn't do it. So he went, well, great. I'll make my own uh, space opera universe. And Star Wars <laughs> was born. Um, and you and I are both huge Flash Gordon fans. Uh, we are. I mean, I, I, I'm a dyed-in-the-wool Queen fan. I have been a Queen fan since birth. My mom actually used to put headphones on her on her baby bump and listen to uh, Queen records. And so I never nice. had a prayer of not being a Queen fan. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you have actually um, another piece of fandom that kind of dovetails into what you do. I've seen your incredible uh, Vulton cosplay um, yes. from the... the, the Eighty Flash or eighties Flash Gordon movie uh, with uh, with Sam Jones and the the Intimidable Queen soundtrack, which is fantastic. You know, I I, I absolutely love that. Yeah, there there are a few when you are when you are a burly bearish looking man. There's a few <laughs> options for you uh, when you're cosplaying. Voltan is one of those options. Yeah. <laughs> Completely unforgivable tangent. I remember reading a couple of years ago there was a, a contest in the UK where uh, one of the leading, of course, they call it the SatNav, not the GPS, but one of the leading manufacturers of, of uh, before it was integrated into all of our phones had a, a poll where they wanted to get people to write in or or send in who they thought they should have as an available voice on the sat nav to be the navigation voice right. and overwhelmingly it wasn't even close brian blessed was the winner of that of course <laughs> so there's a whole generation of dedicated sat nav units in england turn left at the next roundabout and that's what you hear and it's brilliant and, and beautiful and i couldn't and be happier see, about it and that's that's, that's tangentially star wars too because brian Proceed blessed of course. the m16 oh my god 
because Brian Blessed also went on to play Boss Nass in Phantom yeah. Menace. So yeah, it's yeah. you know it's all connected. It's all yeah. Connected. So yeah, no, I love so so I'm a big fan, by the way, of um, you know you 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 build from what came before you. I I, yeah. I am not one to hoard uh, copyright and to hoard ideas and to you know not have anyone else play in your sandbox. Uh, I'm the opposite of that. I'm like create something and then throw it out there. Throw it yeah. out there yeah. to inspire millions of other people uh, to do their own thing, to, to go off in their own direction. Um, and Star Wars is, is just proof of that, um, that it, this started out as something that was inspired by something that was inspired by something. Right. Um, and then there's and, all, how many things have been inspired by Star Wars? Star Wars. I mean, correct. it's just- Absolutely. It's spider webs. It, it, this it is all, how it works. This yeah, is how exactly. it works. Wheels yeah. within wheels. Yeah. And then if you stretch all the way back to what we opened with, you know, this is just the hero's journey, right? So people yep. have been telling this story for thousands of years. Cave um, paintings. Yeah. And and it is, you know, it, it's actually amazing how hardwired that is into us as a species, mm -hmm, where yeah. we may not be able to identify any of those factors or understand exactly why they work. We just know they work. And and, yeah. and they resonate with us. The three of us have studied screenwriting, so we understand like the the beat sheet and the hero's journey and these sort of like the three act structure of storytelling. But even if nobody understands what the terminology, if you're just a general audience member who hasn't like you know done a deep dive into the structure of screenwriting, you still understand just by having watched the movies when something isn't right. If there's a, yeah. a piece of the, and again, you don't want to necessarily reduce it to a formula, but it kind of is. And if something is off within that formula, if they've altered any piece of that storytelling structure as an audience member, whether or not you know it's supposed to be there, what to call it within the, the actual terminology of the inside baseball words that they use, you still know that they messed something up somewhere in that movie and it doesn't yeah. land correctly. That's correct. Yeah, now it, uh, storytelling as a species, storytelling is deeply, deeply ingrained in us. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that just as a result of how we evolved, right? When we, yeah. when we were first coming up uh, as an intelligent species, we gathered around the fire and somebody was telling us a story. You know, our ancestors a million years ago, somebody was telling them a story in front of the fire. Yeah. And that is how we communicated. That is how we imparted values. That is how we told each other what was important about our group, uh, our world. Um, and so, yeah, that, that is how that is how we understand the world in terms yeah. of stories. Right. And I think it's kind of important to point out that like Joseph Campbell in no way invented the hero's journey. This was him Absolutely. making an observation of looking back on thousands of years of storytelling and figuring out sort of reverse engineering when, because like as far back as like Odysseus and Beowulf, we had this yeah. structure in place, yeah. but being able to realize what it was and to codify it and place it into a space where you're looking back on this, this tradition, that, like you said, goes back to cave paintings and campfires yeah, and right. to be able to say, this is, this is what works. This is burned into our psyche as humans to understand the art and the structure of storytelling. And so we can take these, these, these ancient, you know, magics really, and sort of like take our space opera and it still works. It still applies. If we use these, these old roadmaps, we can still get to where we need to go and bring you on that trip along with us. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And one of the cool things about uh, all media in general, but the cool thing about Star Wars in particular is because it was able to branch out from being these, these uh, well-received and well-loved movies into uh, different various uh, facets of entertainment like books and like... Uh, I mean, radio dramas and yeah, video comics. games and comic books and yeah. 
uh, short form television series and 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 they're able to reach a lot of people who might not have been otherwise uh, privy to like for instance our experiences with the original trilogy um, that's kind of our introduction to Star Wars we got into it through these fantastic movies that hit the theaters and and just were so bombastic and so uh, beloved by us at that point and now we have whole generations of kids coming into it like okay maybe they've seen the Clone Wars Mm-hmm. And they're mm-hmm. like, oh, well, I like the character of Anakin Skywalker. And then they go back and maybe they go back and watch the original trilogy and go like, holy shit, what happened to Anakin? And yeah, there are know. a lot of points of entry to this universe for sure. Yeah. 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 And that's oh, yeah. fantastic. And it's fascinating because uh, we didn't necessarily have that kind of introduction to the show, to the movies, to anything like that. Uh, everyone's entry point is so vastly different, yet it builds to this fantastic community, this this just huge wealth of information that we're all privy to now and yeah. and it just does nothing but expand and 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 i'm, I'm getting i'm gonna choke up and tear up about the whole thing no it just no, it's just good it's, reason yeah, yeah it's just so vast it unites people uh, not only because we've we've all seen the films we've, we as a lot of us have played video games but but i think Again, because of it going back to just the, the standard storytelling structure, the reason why that three-act structure, that Joseph Campbell Hero's Journey works is because it touches on um, a commonality of experience that we've all shared with triumph, with tragedy. We, we engage with these stories. We relate to these stories because all of us have had, I mean, okay, not all of us have, have had to shoot down TIE fighters from the gunner port of the, uh, of the Millennium <laughs> Falcon, but we've had a whole lot of deadlines at work. And you well, can I sort mean, of extrapolate that pressure me. of like, well, yeah. <laughs> No, but I never, I never got that call to go to the academy. But um, there are still universal underlying themes inherent to yeah. the structure of the storytelling that in the hands of a skilled artisan or, you know, like Aaron said earlier, like dozens and dozens of artisans that can, you know, be stewards of that and bring that to life in a way that we can look at it and see common threads of our shared experience come to life through the telling of these stories. I think that's really the underlying reasoning behind why all of us love these things so much. Yeah, and 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 you you make these things your own. You know, you you claim yeah. them as a part of your psyche, uh, your memory, uh, your inspiration. And you know, yeah. one of the things that I started doing, and it's such a geeky thing, but I'm going to admit it. Um, I watch reaction videos. It's a safe space here. You can you can do that. I watch reaction videos, and especially yeah, Star Wars <laughs> reaction videos. So when when the 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 first of the sequels. Uh, Force Awakens was first coming out and, the, and the, the trailer was going around. They started putting up on YouTube, here's some reaction videos to this to this trailer. Um, and I started watching, you know, of course I saw the trailer several times, but then after that, it, it, it's almost like the trailer didn't matter to me. I wanted to see people, uh, how they thought, what they were feeling. And tears, tears were the most common. Mm-hmm. Smiles, of course, cheers, but tears. Yeah. And, and to me, as a creator, that's when you win. Mm-hmm. I have won as a creator when something I have made makes my audience get moved to tears. Um, that's it. I win. I can, yeah. I can retire. I can retire. Yeah. 
Um, and what a beautiful thing, right? What a beautiful thing to have someone see this and to know that it impacted them in such a deep, profound way. It is so yeah. important to them that it is, it's like if they were watching a family member get married or, or a birth in the family, or it moves them to freaking tears. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. and, I, I and I find myself, like, I'll watch these reactions and I'm brought to tears by watching <laughs> them be brought to tears. It's a wonderful moving experience. And that's one of my favorite things about the theatrical experience, especially with Star Wars movies on like an opening night. And, and I've seen all of the different Star Wars movies, uh, like seek prequels and, uh, and then, of course, the, uh, the new sequel series. I've seen all of them opening night. And one of the greatest things for me, and, and you get that a lot with the Marvel movies now too, but like when something hits and that feeling just sweeps across the theater and like all of a sudden everyone's cheering or like, yeah. you know, it's like, oh my God, and you're part of that. And you get to feel that, that swell of like, this is my group. This is my, this is my people, you know? Yeah. 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 We invest it, in these characters in a big way. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, and I was just going to say, so so after after having seen Star Wars, of course, and then I also saw Empire Strikes Back in the theater, and I also saw Return of the Jedi in the theater, um, all incredibly satisfying, um, except that like an idiot, I read the uh, novelization of Empire before I saw the movie. And <laughs> oh, I, no. I, 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 yes, I was you like, spoiled why? spoiled yourself. Yeah, why? Oh. Why would I do that to myself? Pre-internet spoilers. But to my credit, I did not spoil it for any of my friends. So See, they were you're all a good fan. stunned. They That's were all, all stunned when we they got say. there. Don't the first step to being experience. a good creator is being a good fan. So oh yeah, I knew it. I knew thing. that they would sit there and be looking around at each other like, "Is that true?" And it would and just so, hit again, like a freaking bomb. I could enjoy it vicariously through them. <laughs> I already knew. Uh, but um, but just sit so, there yeah. like, "Oh, it's coming. Here we go. <laughs> yep, Here we go." Yep. yep. No, it was wonderful. It's wonderful. And, and and that is one of the main joys for me of taking, you know, having taken my daughter to all of these movies yeah. is just to watch it, watch her reaction to them. You know, I know, I know what's happened, but to watch her, her eyes light up or oh, dad, or, you know, just the joy that she's experiencing. Mm. And again, that is, I'm, I'm like a, I'm like a vampire that way. Right. I feed <laughs> off of that wonderful emotion and that, yeah. uh, and, and it's just, cause it's so in our lives, in our it's lives, pure. especially in the last year or so, those kinds of experiences are all too freaking rare yeah um, where you are elevated that way and you and, and you you are you feel elated um mm -hmm. so yeah grab it grab it wherever you can and that's um, the beautiful thing about having kids is because if you have kids you get to see that in them and and see it like hopefully they they if they grok to the same things you do right and, and one of the cool things for me like and, and we're having that experience right now because my wife decided she wanted to watch the Lord of the Rings trilogy again. Of course, the extended edition. We don't watch the theatrical cuts anymore. Right. Um, <laughs> but they're all available. And we, we, we and it's a slog. It's like almost four hours per movie. But oh, yeah. Um, so, I mean, it takes several nights to get through a movie because our time is so limited. But uh, we sat there and we're, my, my son has been through them, but he's been through them like he's 16 now. I think he was like 12 when we made him watch it the first time. And so it's all kind of newish to him again. Right. But my daughter is just on the cusp of turning 10 and she's really kind of very distracted and she's very easily, you know, like on her tablet or this, that, or the other thing. And not, right. she started off not being very interested in the movies, 
um, because at the beginning of, of, of uh, fellowship, of course, it's all, you know, relationship building and, and, and world building and everything like that. And she didn't really have right. any kind of stake in that. But once the, the hobbits leave the Shire and they start doing their thing and uh, you see her peeking up from her tablet more often, peeking up from her tablet more often. Yeah. Gratifying. Then, yeah. 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 And then all of a sudden, she's not playing it on her tablet anymore. She's watching and she's like, Who's that? Yeah. Who's that? Why are they chasing them? Yeah. Who's that creature following Sam and, and Frodo? And yeah. it's like, Oh, girl, just wait. Just wait. And now <laughs> we've, we got through uh, two towers the other night and she's like, We're like, Okay, it's time for bed. She's like, No. I'm like, What do you mean, no? She's like, We've got to start the next one. I'm like, <laughs> Honey, that's another four hours, and it's it's a school <laughs> night. You got to go to bed. But but and then so we asked her what she wanted to do for for her birthday, and she's like, "Well, I want you to make me steaks on the grill because I like steak, and I want potatoes, and I want corn, and I want to watch Return of the King." <laughs> it's like that's that's hashtag parenting done right. Yeah, right that is incredibly yeah. that's an incredibly reasonable request. Yes, as yeah. I'm like I'm like child, done. <laughs> but and, and, but like with with my son, it's been really kind of an, uh, a fun experience because we share a lot of the same uh, uh, intrinsic value as far as nerdery goes, comic books and video games. And, and, and of course, my deep and abiding love of Star Wars. And so his real entry into Star Wars kind of came uh, through television shows. I mean, I'd, we'd watch the movies because I watch them every now and again still. And uh he kind of liked to piss me off early because he knows I didn't really care for Jar Jar Binks as a character. And he kind of started running around the house screaming, uh, Misa, do this, Misa, do this. And it's like, son, you're going to get on my bad side real quick. But he's got this love of like all the deep canon Star Wars stuff now too, like like the Clone Wars. And yeah. uh, 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 he's now started to watch in the Bad Batch. And of course he's watched uh, Rebels and all that. And and so he's got a deeper knowledge of those kind of things than I've even got. Right. And when the Mandalorian hit, he took to that so hardcore that it's just it's it's like watching myself growing up again and just yeah. it's it's yeah. so gratifying as a parent and, to kind of see that. And, and I, I want to talk about the Mandalorian in a minute because uh, uh, I, I think there's phases for me of Star Wars, mm-hmm. uh, and the Mandalorian certainly. Uh, awoke me again to where I had stopped kind of paying attention um, mm-hmm. because of various reasons. And uh, one of the things that I, I mentioned uh, when I was invited, I mentioned, don't ask me about The Last Jedi because we'll be here in three <laughs> hours. But I am, I am going to talk about that a little bit because I think it's important. But one of the things Jim said that I want to harken back to um, is that I love Star Wars's multi-generational entry points right so mm-hmm. yeah exactly how he said there's the original trilogy for, for trilogy for that generation there are the prequels for the, a different generation and then there's the sequels and television su- series and such for another generation mm-hmm. so this is this is a movie it's not like going back and watching you know the wizard of oz again no 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 this is a series this is an ip it's that still expanding yes yeah. that continues to invite new generations with new content um, and a new take on 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 a beloved setting, um, and it's brilliant. I mean, it, it's not a wonder that that Disney's going to make money hand over fist with this. Um, 
because they they are offering a gateway into that. They're saying, hey, here's this beloved place. Uh, let's yeah. open this door for you. And everybody get, goes, yay, and go rushing through, you know? I get a little cynical sometimes when I have to really overanalyze this sort of intersection of art and commerce. No. especially, But <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're all creative people, but Kevin, you and I have talked about Disney quite a bit. And I've made the point that I don't begrudge Disney raking in trillions of dollars because at the end of the day, uh, they've earned it. I mean, Disney might be a massively money-making empire, but if you look at Marvel, if you look at Star Wars, if you look at Disney, if you look at Pixar, these are genuinely some of the best pieces of entertainment property that are being produced anywhere of all time. Yeah. So while while money sort of does muddy the waters a little bit in terms of, well, let's, let's spelunk back into the history of the series and let's do a whole movie about Salacious Crumb because we can cash a check. Um, if they did do that, it would be fucking brilliant. So I don't at all ever begrudge them. There's people that say, you know, they're going to keep on taking their, their Mickey Mouse stick and they're going to beat this dead horse until it stops, you know, spitting out money. I don't begrudge them that because they really do. They are making some incredible pieces of entertainment. Right. Um, yeah. they, they care about the franchise and the world that they're they building. Do. Even yeah. if they're doing it for a course reason, like cashing a check. They yeah. put the time and the effort in to hire the talent that is going to caretake this particular wing and arm of their money-making empire. And, and they're doing a good job like yeah. cultivating that talent. So and by the way, it's not like they were given this, right? They, this is oh a, no, this they is bought a, it. Yeah, this is a huge yeah. investment. <laughs> they, so, they've made their money back though by correct. if they if they invested that much money in it, their expectation is that they're going to be able to make even more money from it. And um, they have. Yeah. And and again, yeah, like Jim said, <laughs> I do not begrudge them. I do not begrudge them a single uh, a thing that they do. Uh, and they're going to have shows that some are you know, going to hit, some are going to miss. And that's fine. And that's fine. Um, but, I haven't but, seen yeah. them miss very often. No, well, kinda... yeah, again, we haven't talked about Last we'll Jedi yet. We'll get to Last but, Jedi. Uh, but... <laughs> But, uh, but we're so, not talking. They haven't made like another Ewoks movie yet. It's been a bit more. No, no, they have not. We have not seen another Christmas special and things like that. So, but uh, yeah, yeah, they, they, they have not. They have not quite gotten there. And 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 you know, say what you will about the the creative team of Favreau and Filoni uh, right. in charge of the Star Wars universe. As far as I'm concerned, they could not have chosen two more no. spectacular stewards. Absolutely uh, not for that franchise. Um, I, I I will watch anything Filoni makes anything. I don't care yeah. what it is. And I'm kind of um, the same boat with Favreau. I mean, I, yeah, I kind yeah. of trust. They're, what they're he both does. brilliant. And by the way, I I get upset that so much um, credit for for Marvel uh, is given to Feige and and you know. Oh, Favreau started I'm, I'm this shit. Favreau. Yeah, Favreau. I'm guilty of that. Favreau. Fa there would be no Marvel universe without Favreau. That is that, that guy. I, anybody who's a Renaissance man, I, you know, Henry Rollins is one of my favorite people of all time because he's a musician. He's a uh, spoken word artist. He's he, he does radio shows and interviews. But John Favreau definitely occupies that same space in the pop culture between being an actor, being a writer, being a creator. You, you go back and you look at swingers or you check out, you know, where he's playing Happy Hogan or he's behind the camera. He's writing things. That guy, he's he's always the best thing about anything he's in. I mean, he did this yeah. movie called Chef a couple of years ago. Oh, he's a guy who's trying to, to bond with his Chef. son over running a, a food truck. Yeah. And I ate nothing but can, but um, Cuban sandwiches for like two weeks after that. That yeah, movie no. was so compelling and he, so, he co so combined, fantastic. Combine some of my favorite loves in that movie, you know, Absolutely. Uh, food. <laughs> 
food, family, yeah. and and uh, and creativity. And love. That's, yeah, he's no, no I, it's it's great. It's great. Yeah, no, I'm I'm a big fan. So so I am very much on the, um, you know, uh, Favreau. Favreau is responsible for the MCU. To, um, to quote you know, the, Favreau himself, the man is money. <laughs> yeah, money, baby. He's, he's yeah. so money. And you know, and and obviously, other people have contributed to the MCU. And yes, Feige's been a good a good person to keep it all together and fairly consistent. But yeah, I don't think Favreau gets anywhere near enough love and credit uh, for the MCU. And there's so many Marvel fanboys out there uh, that they should be singing the praises of Jean Favreau every single freaking day. As far as I'm concerned, agreed. Um, fantastic. Let's but, do but yeah. this. Let's let's take a real quick break, and we'll come back and we'll, we'll continue this discussion. We got to kind of work a break in here every now and again, or else it'll just go on for like six hours. But uh, <laughs> uh, stick yeah, around. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back. So now we've been talking at length, as we do, about uh, the creative process, bringing us Star Wars and everything. And one of the cool things that I got to see is I was a huge fan of the books, uh, the, the extended universe books uh, growing up. And, and I read all of them. I mean, uh, they had something like a hundred or something books. I don't know. They had a lot. And there was a, a particular author that I really enjoyed. His name is Timothy Zahn. Uh, Timothy Zahn had, had contributed so much in the way of characterization that we keep to this day that they've used repeatedly in Star Wars, uh, from characters like Mara Jade to characters like uh, Grand Admiral Thrawn, uh, things like that. The rebirth of the Empire, the rebirth of the Emperor, which they've used in the, the latest Star Wars movie. But... Uh, one of the really cool things is I actually got to meet uh, Tim Zahn at one of these conventions and got to shake his hand and, and when we could still do shaking hands and uh, <laughs> in the before got, times <laughs> got a picture of my son shaking his hand. And, and, <clears throat> and, and I'm like, yeah, this, this guy, I mean, cause at that point it was just a rumor that he was going to be appearing in like the rebels and all that shit. And, and so I'm like, okay, so this is the guy when this happens, this is the guy that brought it here. So, uh, as far as stewards of like, we were talking about stewards of uh, the legacy and stewards of uh, uh, the storytelling. And, and I feel like he's definitely one that needs mentioning as well. So yeah. I felt bad when they did that whole extended universe dirty by declaring them to be non-canon. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I guess maybe that's Disney trying to pull back the disparate tentacles of this sprawling empire so they can retain or at least assert some sort of control over their future storytelling efforts. But when they did, they did it again with Marvel just now, we talked about this, Kevin and I, last week, where Disney has gone on record as saying that, like, Agent Carter and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., are maybe due for a soft reboot. They've declared those series non-canon, even though they kind of tied into the larger MCU. They went ahead and said those things weren't necessarily a thing anymore. But then I just saw in, in one of the more admittedly less reliable sort of like geek rumor mill websites um, that kind of pops up in my Google News feed, a rumor that again, must be taken with a grain of salt because it's unsubstantiated, but 
that Disney feels kind of bad about uh, asking Brie Larson to take a, a backup role um, because something has <laughs> the, the whole Captain Marvel thing. Maybe she's unpopular. Maybe she's whatever that whole um, toxic geek fandom thing is, is uh, criticizing her for that role, which we talked about this last week. We both thought was fantastic, but now I've seen stories from more than one source, but all of them about at the same level of reliability historically that Brie Larson might be in talks to be Mara Jade Skywalker yeah. If they ever decide to do the uh, the Disney Plus Skywalker series opposite like a Sebastian Stan. So that's a yeah. thing that is kind of out there now, whether or not it's true, hmm. we don't know. I, but as I, we said I, I last week. I did read week, that. I did read that. Yeah. yeah. These these places, their whole stock and trade, their their uh, their bread and butter is like throwing out wild speculation. So the ten percent of the time they're right, they can say, "Hey, we got the scoop before anybody else." But the ninety percent of the time, they're just slinging utter horse shit. They can say, "Ah, oh, we just heard something somewhere." Right. And with with the lore connected with not only Mara Jade's but, uh, development, but also with Luke Skywalker, the whole story that brought them together, uh, if they were able to translate that into a series, holy shit, I would watch the ever-loving crap out of that. Because yeah, just yeah. for y'all out there that don't have the uh, 80 books worth of knowledge as far as what happens with that, I'll give you the too-long-didn't-read version of it. Uh, Mara Jade was an assassin for the Empire, uh, what was called uh, the Emperor's Hand. And uh, she would go out and eliminate the targets that the Emperor wanted eliminated. And at one point, the Emperor wanted Luke Skywalker eliminated for obvious reasons. He did kind of do the Emperor dirty a few times. Um, but uh, Mara Jade uh, and Luke kind of developed this antagonistic beha uh, behavior towards each other. And she started coming out of this spell, so to speak, of, of the Empire and there was a, they found a loophole uh, through cloning technology to, to get rid of this uh, deep and abiding impulse that the Empire had planted in Mara Jade to kill Luke Skywalker. And after that, she became a, a Jedi uh, student at the temple and uh, developed this relationship with Luke. And, and it just blossomed and grew. And she became a real stand-alone member of this Skywalker franchise, this whole family and to the point they had their own kid and everything else like that and and then they got wiped out of existence with the, with yeah, the extended well, you know, universe but it always all ends in tears if and, they and were the way, able I, to tap think, into that that'd be great i think part of the reason why they're doing that um again jim touched on it they they want a, they want a clean slate they don't want mm -hmm. to be tied to anything that an author that they may have had nothing to do with in the past years of narrative upon. baggage right and so and and i actually think that's smart now it mind is you, absolutely I'm, I'm very much uh of the opinion that disney should pay the royalties oh. uh, to any author who's oh, written yeah. any tie-in novel uh yes. that that's a totally separate issue and that's their responsibility and they should do it and they've been but working that, on that with the marvel shit too they've had a real a weird track record with with giving creators their due like and, yeah. I, and and for instance with we were talking about falcon and winter soldier recently uh ed brubaker and uh who created the winter soldier character uh has not really gotten fair treatment from disney as far as got yeah. his royalties and everything and, and sadly that's true when it comes to almost any creator in comics uh mm -hmm. the deals that they were made to sign uh were, were it's egregious. work for hire. yeah were egregious and and, <laughs> and they pretty much own nothing um, but but that said, that said, if I were Disney, I would wipe out everything from the extended universe as well, uh, yeah. and then just and then just pick and choose which because they're still 
clearly pulling from ideas from the extended universe, right? Um, but they're not they're not bound to any particular author's vision or story or, or anything like that. Which is um, what gives us stories like The Mandalorian. Which is what gives us the ability to work a Rogue One or a Solo. To right. work, yeah, exactly. And to work uh, like Grand Admiral Thrawn back into the game, the whole uh, sweeping right. thing. They don't have to work. Well, like all the shit that I said with Mara Jade, they wouldn't have to work all of this back history into it. Correct. They could touch on it. They can tap exactly what they feel works. Yeah. And, and hopefully, and in fact, I think they've done that beautifully with Grand Admiral Thrawn and Rebels. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, they've brought him back into the story in a way that makes sense, yeah. where he's relevant, where he's still Grand Admiral Thrawn. Uh, mm -hmm. They're going to obviously continue his story in the live action uh, Ahsoka Tano series uh, on yeah. Disney Plus. And so, no, I mean, again, I, I trust people like Filoni to look at the EU to look at the stuff that's been that's been uh, established there, and then to say, okay, you know, what what let, let's 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 decide here. What can we use? What do we have to change? Uh, oh, that's a great idea. We should go with that. Nah, that you know, the whole force using bunny that wasn't so smart. Let's get rid of the force using bunny. <laughs> um, but you know, it, it it's it's smart. It's a from a creative perspective, it's a smart thing to do. Um, one one of my favorite bits of extended universe thing, and it was just a throwaway in one of the comic books at one point. It was called uh, Skippy the Jedi Droid. And, oh, my uh, God. Did you ever see that one? I did not. Okay, so the, I'll, I'll give you the short version of it. Basically, Skippy the Jedi Droid had uh, midichlorians in his, his lubricating joints, his, his, his oil, the, the, the life force of the droid, right? There's something that should have been retcon. No midichlorians. <laughs> right. Well, we'll get to that. But, um, but the fact of the matter is, is yeah, he was this droid that... Uh, was trying to get to, uh, he was traveling with uh, the, the Tanifor and he was trying to get to uh, Leia and he was trying to help with the whole rebellion thing. And what happened was, is he was captured and uh, uh, I'm, I know I'm fucking this up somewhere, but uh, he was one of the droids that the Jawas had with uh, the Sandcrawler. Okay. And he could sense that R2-D2 had a huge hand in everything that was going on in the universe. He could sense that R2-D2 had the plans for the Death Star. He could sense that, you know, his history was important and that if he were to be the one that was bought by Uncle Owen and, or, and Luke, that he would not get to live that necessary vital function. And so he was the droid that had the bad motivator. What he did was he used the force to spike his own motivator and uh -huh. eliminate himself so that R2 would be the one to go forward. And, and it's just, a, it's a little bit of fluff, but it was right, just, right. it was, it was, just, it was fun. And it was, it was interesting back when they were doing it fun just, and interesting. It goes to show again, it's, it's, it's such a big sandbox to play in. And once you've established these narrative tools and these through lines of, of structure, uh, you know, you have this, this, this toolbox that you can use to uh, to really dig around and, and come up with some some pretty creative and amazing shit. Uh, I'm not gonna. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. 
I was just uh, speaking of, my, of droids. Yeah, you know what? Finish your story because I'm about to launch into uh, the first Star Wars video game that I worked on. So go ahead, finish your thought. No, no, no. Well, that's exactly what I was. You know, we're we're of the same mind on this one. I I, I was going to say I don't want to to hijack our narrative because I'm enjoying the way things go organically. But I did want to before we get too uh, too deep into hour 17. I do want to, um, <laughs> to 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 sort of like push us back onto that path because I know having just having talked to you over the years, like some of of what your involvement was with that and how that whole thing kind of happened and and came down, but it's a great story and uh, you worked on some games that I played and loved. Um, so, you know, if, if we can sort of go back and, and do the same thing like we did with the films and talk about our different entry points into the Star Wars video game universe, I think that might be a fun way to sort of push things in, uh, into the direction of, of kind of being what we thought about when we first started this before we got into interesting <laughs> tangents. Yeah, well, I, I, after, you know, so after I'd seen the trilogy um, and, uh, and of course, you know, people loved it and wanted even more Star Wars stuff, uh, before they had even really started talking about um, the the prequels, um, I was still working at the time at Origin Systems um, on a doomed project called Ultima Online Two. Uh, I was mm. the lead writer for that, and um, the people, you know, they were the the, the preview came out for uh, Episode One, The Phantom Menace, and yeah, we had people in our office that were all right. We're going to go camp out in front of the theater, yep. you know, to get the tickets and such. And it was a big deal <clears throat> and everyone was so excited. We all couldn't wait to see this movie. Um, and, uh, and, uh, and, you know, say, say what you will about the prequels. Uh, there, there is a generation of, of Star Wars fans who love them uh, and, and great. That's fantastic. Uh, I think there's a lot to like about the prequel movies. Um, and, uh, uh, but, but when, when after the first prequel movie, uh, my, my project got canceled. I moved on to another company, briefly moved to Norway um, to be a, a, a senior writer on Anarchy Online 2. Um, and when I came back to the States, um, the studio, some of the studio people that I had worked with at Origin had gone on to form a new studio under Sony. And, um, and I knew they were working on uh, a Star Wars MMO called Star Wars Galaxies. And so, of course, I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> you, you guys Maybe. are doing a Star Wars MMO? So, of course, immediately started contacting everybody who I could possibly contact about, about talking to somebody uh, about that. And, um, and, and, and I was fortunate, and they brought me in, and they interviewed me, and I got to be a, a senior writer on Star Wars Galaxies. Nice. Um, but uh, but yeah, talk about a wonderful return. Now, of course, we knew the first prequel movie, and and you know, again, people had different different reactions to it and such. But what we were working on, Star Wars Galaxies, was was a, a an original trilogy setting. You know, an original trilogy Star Wars game. So we didn't even have to worry about whether we liked Phantom Menace or not, or Midichlorians or anything like that, right? We none of that factored into what we were doing, um, and uh, and immediately got to work on that and creating quests and missions for that. And one of them, it's one of my favorite stories. And I wish I could say that I was the one that came up with, but I was uh, a friend of mine, another writer uh, that I brought in, um, created. <laughs> And he was not approved, by the way. So just, just let me let me preface it with that. This these missions were not approved, <laughs> but he had the brilliant idea of having a mouse droid, right? The little the little things that run around on the on the Death Star, and Chewbacca roars at, and they run away. 
they basically just, they, they lead you places. You know, the Death Star is such a maze that they, they basically just appear and take you to where you need to go. Um, that's it. That's all they do. Well, <laughs> this writer said, hey, would it be cool if like this brilliant rebel tech uh, got a mouse droid and reprogrammed it so that it was basically like an agent. It was like an agent for the rebellion. And everyone just thought it was this little, you know, mouse droid, just go doing its little mouse droid things. But it's actually gathering intelligence and sabotaging ships. And right, because who pays planned. attention to right, the mouse droid? Right. <laughs> so, and so I was like, genius. That's genius. Yeah, it is. Because those little things, I mean, they're, they're just a piece of the fabric of the universe that you, that it's it's like the, the thing in your house that you you walk by a thousand times a day and you don't notice right. it until it's missing. That's just, it's one, it's, it's a piece of the background of that yeah. particular structure. I, I would have paid and nobody no would more, notice it. Right. I would pay no more attention to it than my toaster. Mm -hmm. um, and so, and so, oh my gosh, he had such lofty plans where this little mouse droid, you know, steals some plans for this prototype ship and it, it sabotages another ship and then it hijacks a third ship and 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 breaks through a, 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 a some sort of a barrier. Oh my God, it's just the plans that this gentleman had for this mouse droid. And I loved every single second of it. But of course, everything has to be approved by LucasArts. Uh, uh, and, uh, you know, we said, Hey, you know, how about a mouse droid that does such and such and such? And they went, eh, no. <laughs> oh, oh, come oh, on. Darn you, can it. A, you can have a team up with a gonk droid and be like a buddy. Cop. Right. Exactly. Could you imagine that buddy cop show, you know, gonk droid and mouse droid. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but, oh my Lord, that was just, that was absolutely one of my favorite. Oh, that's Another, a brilliant idea. I love yeah. that. Yeah, uh, no, no, no go, no go. You you find out when working on franchises like this that there are fairly extensive um, guidelines for what you can use, you can't, you know, words you can say, words you cannot say. I don't know if you guys knew this, but there are no watches on or clocks on Star Wars. There chronometers. Yeah, chronometers or timepieces. Mm -hmm. um, there's no windows. You cannot defenestrate somebody. There are portals. Um but nobody will, usually people will not say window. Well, I think um, it goes a long way towards creating that idea that, I mean, these, these people, again, I can't even say that, these, these uh, entities might be humanoid in appearance, they might be speaking English for the convenience of the audience yeah. that it's intended for, but these, this is not Earth, these are not humans. So kind of having those little touches of we're going to use, uh, make a deliberate choice to use alternative terminology to describe these things. Yeah. Um, I, I put up a post on Facebook a while ago that I, I thought was a weird, and I think I remember even seeing you comment on this, Aaron, but um, how, how strange it is that, okay, we, we sort of accept that the, the, the uh, characters in Star Wars, they're not really speaking English, but they're speaking a language that is analogous to English, and it's, we hear it as English because that's what we're trying to, uh, that's the audience that we're, we're aiming it at, right. um, but in, in certain Again, because there have been multiple iterations of each of these movies, there have been revisions, and Lucas has done special editions and whatnot. Um, but the the development of Arabesh as the sort of uh, in game and in game in universe uh, version of the written language, yeah. and you sort of see it turn up and like when uh, when when um, Obi Wan powers down the shields in, in the first film, and yeah. you see like things show up on screens with these characters. So I got down this weird rabbit hole of like trying to figure out okay, this, these aren't humans, this isn't English, but it's presented that way because that's convenient for us. Okay, fine. But then why do we have 
ships in the universe, like the X-Wing and the Y-Wing and the B-Wing that are named after English letters that roughly correspond to English <laughs> right. shapes right. of the letters that we have when their particular language is Arabesh. What is that yeah. about? How do we figure, how do we, so little things like that, 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 um, sort of like even in the most carefully crafted universe, if you if you kind of dig too deep, they can pull you out a little bit. But at yeah. the same time, I mean, yeah, having a very consistent sort of of <laughs> language, of, of, of way of expressing things that lets you know that, hey, all of this might be, it might look familiar. You know, uh, Han Solo's got two arms because he needs to wear that vest, but he's not human. But right. we're still <laughs> presenting this to you in a way that you're going to be able to understand it but we still have to also be very careful and make deliberate choices that let you know that this is not your home world. This is not yeah. what you expect it to be. You're, yeah. you're in outer space. Yeah, no. And, and what I love about the, the Arabish is that it, it's a legit thing now. Like when they, when they do episodes of, of like the Mandalorian. In a different or, universe. Right. It, yeah. it, people can translate it. it. When you see something on screen, you can freeze it, copy it, translate it. And it's legit. It is saying legit things. Uh, the name of a sector, the, the 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 whatever the cargo is, whatever it is, they, Filoni now knows enough that no, this is when there's language on there, it can't be gobbledygook. It must actually be uh, relevant to whatever the story is, which and, is and really think, cool because it's like a it's a nice little piece of of the puzzle that like your casual fan might not get. Your uh, yeah, it's kind of like what they did with Futurama with all the little different uh, substitution codes and everything they put into Futurama yeah. and everything. It's a nice. I just read an article. To the people who are deep enough into it to get that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, somebody. I just read an article where, and again, this is an inexcusable tangential point, but um, during the, the the most, yeah, that's what's kind of our stock and trade here. But <laughs> the, um, the the latest Assassin's Creed game, where the the protagonist character of um, Eivor goes to a very very young North America, where there are still First Nations people kind of running around, um, and they're speaking. And I'm gonna—I don't remember the actual language, but it actually is an established primal uh, tribal language that was used by the people that would have been in the ge rough geographical region where the character travels to. And because there's—they want you to have uh, a, a certain fish out of water language barrier feeling to it. These folks are speaking this very um, this this legitimate historical tribal language, and the the subtitles are all in that tribal language. So somebody yeah. went through and actually translated all of that because it was a whole section of the game that you you were supposed to feel like very uncomfortable and unsteady on your feet. But yeah. but somebody who's a scholar of that that language went through and translated it, and yeah, they did their homework on that. Which and the wonderful awesome. things, by the way, that's happening from that. So another tangent here. Sorry, folks, but I read a story <laughs> on Facebook. Don't know if it's true or not, but I hope it is because it's beautiful. A uh, guy was running a D&D &D game, and there was a young, shy girl, immigrant, uh, a Spanish speaker, who wanted to play a character. She was really shy. She created an elf. And uh, and so she's playing, and she wouldn't speak much, and she had an accent and and wasn't very, very uh, comfortable with her with her mastery of English. And so the, the game master turned to her and said, hey, the native language of elves is Spanish. It's the language you speak. And so the, the girl, and it, it, it changed everything. So the girl would say something in Spanish and another one of the people in the group who knew Spanish would say, wait, I speak some Elvish. Oh, she's saying this. And so would translate for the diff, for the other players in the group. And I just, that is the most That's beautiful, beautiful thing I have it's ever read. I'm like, oh my God. And so the little girl blossomed. She is now talking in Spanish, Elvish, and it's being translated by the other person who speaks Elvish for the benefit of the group. And it's brilliant and it's beautiful. And my God, I hope this story is true. 
God, um, I really do too. I, isn't I, that I, awesome? Isn't that amazing? I read that and I just sat back and said, you know what? I, I, when, I, when I get really cynical about humanity and, and, and I cannot do. wait, cannot wait for the <laughs> asteroid to come, I have to think about. I have to think about this story and say, you know, but we're also a really wonderful species. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, it, it's 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 wonderful. It's brilliant. But anyway, so back to Star Wars. Okay. So. I worked on on Star Wars Galaxies and uh, the the quest engine. Uh, I mean, it was limited. It was limited for they were under tremendous amounts of time crunch pressure. Uh, they had to get this game out on on a certain on a certain uh, day, deadline. Um, there was so many design challenges. And again, without I, I don't want to give too much information proprietary information away, but it was a challenge. It was a challenge. Yeah. Um, games but, are hard man successful successful i mean people played yeah. it loved it i um, played we're, it we're I running around at it. yeah having having uh i my character i we, we all could create characters right uh when we were testing um and uh and of course you couldn't do anything no profanity or anything like that and or you couldn't you know call yourself darth vader or whatever my name and is so, lick my balls oh well there you go you ban uh so <laughs> And so I created a character, not that he lasted. They, they immediately knocked it down, named Darth Moyle. Um, and, uh, and they're like, no, no, you cannot be Darth Moyle. I'm like, but it's funny. And they're like, we don't care. You can't be Darth Moyle. And so, yeah. Uh, I, I doing lightsaber changes. circumcisions. Exactly, exactly. I had my little light bris. Uh, but anyway. Um, <laughs> Just the tip. <laughs> <laughs> so it was it was it was but it was an amazing experience the team was fantastic uh i made some lifelong uh, uh contacts and friendships use the foreskin teams. oh my god no no uh we'll edit that out later folks um <laughs> but, no, uh, we won't. <laughs> <laughs> but uh but yeah so that so so my transition into the prequels which i'm not the biggest fan of but I, again i do think there's some good stuff in the prequels yeah. Um, was while I was working on a Star Wars game. And I think if anything, that's what, one of the things that kept me positive about Star Wars is that when, when the rest of the Star Wars or some of the Star Wars fandom was sinking into, into hatred uh, and, and becoming what unfortunately we now recognize all too easily as a disgruntled fan these days, um, I, was, I was kept fairly optimistic because I was working on a game, but that was based on the original trilogy. Um, and so that really, that sort of really saved me. It sort of, it helped me get get through any difficult uh, moments I might've had uh, over the prequels. And I saw right. them all in the theater, right? I, I, there's yeah. no, there's not a Star Wars movie I have not seen in the theaters, every single one. Um, but uh, But I would say that generation, that generational gateway of the prequels was not one for me. I, 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 I let that door pass me by and I, I continue to move forward uh, with other media, you know, as, as Kevin has pointed out. I, I, I was reading the novels, the Zahn novels. I was reading comics. I was, uh, you know, immersing myself. I, I, was in a, I was in a Star Wars tabletop role-playing game, you know. Um, and so, yeah, so, so I continue to, to breathe and live and enjoy Star Wars even through the, 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 the prequel uh, era. 
um, which, which, yeah, I, I, I found that entire because, uh, of course, everything was Star Wars again. Star Wars on TV, Star Wars toys. Yeah, people were talking about Star Wars. People were interviewing people about Star Wars, and so, that's the thing about Star Wars. It keeps on coming back into the popular culture every couple of years. And I think probably, like we talked about before, what what Disney's one of their goals for um, constantly having new properties coming out on Disney Plus, like Bad Batch, like Mandalorian, like some of the things they're planning on, is just to to not have the idea not have the concept of the star Wars universe ever, ever like fall out of the public consciousness. There's always going to be a new thing in the pipe. There's always going to be a new game, a new series, maybe a new series of movies just to kind of keep the awareness of that universe high in the popular culture so that they can keep on delivering these stories. And I guess making money, but also keeping the people who want to consume that media uh, absolutely flush with choices to be able to do that. If they, if that's what they want. Yeah, no, it's true. It's true. I agree. Well, we were going to talk about Star Wars video games now. As far as my first entry into Star Wars video games, of course, I don't have the uh, the, the auspices of having written for any Star Wars video games. I'm, I'm not that kind of cool. But uh, it, it's uh, nowhere near as cool as you think it is. <laughs> see, but it's far more cool than you think it is. Oh, okay. Least, well, probably ah, at least the point. <laughs> but uh, I, I I remember even so far back as playing the old uh, NES and SNES Star Wars games and. Uh, I have the old Atari Jedi training arena video games. And I mean, I've got my fair so share. I, I, of... I got to ask you, Kevin, was your first Star Wars arcade game, the little line graphic Star Wars 1983 arcade game? Was that your first one? It's one of the first ones I played. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That, that was my first. Yeah. That was my, first. my Yeah. My local arcade had the, had the vector Star Wars, which That's was, uh, you know, for the time it was pretty, I mean, it was, it was fantastic. Yeah. It was just like you know. the freaking graphics from the, from the uh, X wings uh, computer, you know? Yep. So yeah. Yeah. And that's made what you made it work. Like you were part of that. Yeah. Yep. But, you know, right around the same time that my my local arcade where I grew up in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, had a, a copy of the, the original with, and that was one of the first games that had digitized speech in it, that one. And, um, Oh, what was the other one with the uh, I live with the floating space station? I don't remember the name of it. And I'm oh, the one that turn I, in. the one that I hunger that the, the yeah, Sinistar or Sinistar. Yeah, I, I got to turn in my geek yeah. card that I forgot that one. But um, apart from that, I mean, I, I we we touched on this a, a week ago that kids have every toy their dad ever wanted. So my dad was a big Pac Man fan, so we had a twenty six hundred in the house growing up, and I remember the Empire Strikes Back 2600 game where it was kind of like uh, almost a defender where you had the, the the speeder kind of moving sideways and you had an unending stream of AT-ATs coming at you that you could remember. kind of take down yes. with, you could just, you know, a war of attrition, death of a thousand cuts, you could yes. kind of blow them up or um, in, in a, uh, what I believe was one of the first examples of this particular mechanic in a video game, if you were lucky and if you're really dexterous with the stick, once in a while there'd be a flashing weak point somewhere mm -hmm. on the ad that you could like pump one bullet into and it would blow the entire thing up in one shot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, it was like most of those games then, it had a very simple mechanic and it was only one aspect of the larger IP that it was intended to represent, but it was... A really fun game. The ad looked pretty good. There's a little radar screen on the top where you could tell where the next one was, and you could fly your speeder around, and you could just take out an, a never-ending, constant march of ad ads. And that was yeah, that was uh, great. My first that, two that was 1985. Were... That was 1985 yeah. for mm -hmm. that game. Yep. Those are my first two games: the Vector Star Wars in the arcade, and then the Empire Strikes Back Atari 2600 game. Those were the first two Star Wars video games, but they weren't the last ones. I mean, I, I just recently um, kind of uh, revamped my my. Uh, 
hookups on my TV. I had to get rid of some of the old legacy systems, uh, the older legacy systems that I had, the consoles. And now I have a Series X and a PS5 hooked up. But because the Series X is so good at emulating older systems, I dug through all of my old games and I started playing Jedi Starfighter again. Mm-hmm. Um, and and as you kind of go back, I remember playing uh, Shadows of the Empire on the N64. Mm, I remember that was playing, a great one. Um, yeah, Rogue Squadron was fantastic on the N64. That was some of these um, not quite retro, not quite as old maybe as the 2600 or the Vector arcade game, but certainly not the kind of things like Battlefront that we're seeing now. But somewhere like right in the middle of of of, of between retro and modern is is really where I my personal history, my sweet spot is with a lot of these Star Wars games, like PS1 games, Xbox original Xbox games, N64 yeah. games. There was a whole lot of those, and all of them were uh, at least good, and some of them were absolutely outstanding. And so, as far as the PS1 games, I mean, we even had things like. Uh, I played a lot of Jedi Power Battles, which was a very uh, odd game, but it takes place. I'm going to tip my hand for a PS1 game that I liked. I actually, I, I'm the guy. I'm the guy who enjoyed Masters of Terrace Kasi. I, was I the did one. too. I was terrible at it, but I was. I liked it. <laughs> but I was. My other game on PS1 would have to be uh, uh, the, the Pod Racer. Yeah. I mean, and I'm not. A, I'm not the hugest fans of the uh, the, the the prequel trilogy either. Uh, like like Aaron says, you got to kind of find what you like in it, and and that's how I feel about any of this media at this point. You know, did Last you all play Jedi. Dark Forces? Remember Dark Forces? Oh, I play it now. I just no. bought the entire series on a humble yes. bundle. You can get it. You can. And get I've it. been I've been playing that again, and it's yeah. so yeah. clunky yeah. and so fun. <laughs> I love it. Yep. But but yeah, even the Pod Racer game was 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 good back in the day. I mean, and they remastered that one and. I have yet to buy the remaster, but they've remastered it, and I could play it on my Switch if I wanted to. Yeah, yeah and I, I still enjoy Jedi Starfighter. That game w- was um, partially, I guess, the, the reason that it exists, if you believe the big burst graphic on the front, was it was the um, the first appearance even before the movie, because it says from the upcoming movie, one of the prequels of the of the, the yellow Starfighter ship. Um, oh, the Naboo Starfighter? As, yeah, and you and you play as Adigalia. Uh, well, actually, that's that's not the only ship you pilot. There's a couple of different characters, and you pilot, pilot different ships in the game. But that was kind of the selling point for that game. Is the the Naboo Starfighter was the first was the first appearance. That's that's the, the PS2 film. one, right, uh, Jim? The PS2 Starfighter. My, I, I, at PS2, I I played it. I was always an Xbox guy. I, okay. I only recently got into PS. But that yeah, I came out on PS2 and also original Xbox. But there was yes, on Xbox there, there was and, a special edition for the Xbox, correct? Yeah. And you never saw uh, the actual characters because it was all just completely ship, you know, dogfighting ship-based combat. But you, there was a fully voiced um, Adigalia, and I want to say who was she was the uh, not the Padawan yet. She she was a full Jedi at that point, but she was under oh gosh, who was uh, Stacey Tin? I think it was. So you had these sort of like. Um, tangential extended universe characters that you would see show up like in the, the like in the background of the order 66 battle but they, they took these characters that existed in the universe and they sort of elevated them to to fully fledged character status in these games and those that platform really gave them the opportunity to be able to to do stuff like that to draw off of the the deep well of of material that they had in these movies and in these books and in everything else to create these these sort of side tangential properties out of these th- this incredible fabric that they created for the larger universe yep yep absolutely yep we're going to take a quick break and when we come back we'll discuss more star wars stick around
welcome back, everybody. So we are going to continue talking about Star Wars with our uh, guest of the day, Aaron. And uh, uh, we kind of were talking about a little bit ago about how uh, Star Wars kind of has weaved its way into uh, the cultural zeitgeist and our storytelling and our uh, the way we relate to each other and the way that we each relate to the individual media. And I think, Aaron, you had another story you wanted to get to here. And Well, just so after I had worked on Star Wars Galaxies, I went and worked on a variety of other different games um, and then eventually came back to the Star Wars universe uh, when I got hired as a senior writer at BioWare to work on Star Wars The Old Republic. Hooray! Um, Loved that one. Yeah, yeah. And so the, my, my duties there, I was the one uh, that was doing... The majority of my writing and missions was for the Bounty Hunter class. So if you liked and played the Bounty Hunter uh, class at all in, in Star Wars The Old Republic and you really enjoyed it, uh, you're welcome. Um, so <laughs> that I had a great time. So that, that, you know, that was released in 2011. Of course, the, the, we're not, the, 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 the sequels haven't even come out yet. Um, and, uh, but that was a lot of fun. Now there we got to do a, a deep dive because that's not set uh, during the original trilogy or even uh, you know in the in the era of the prequels we go way 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 back in the old, old republic. republic yes old old republic when there were still lots and lots of jedi and the sith empire was barely rising um, but again just a wonderful fascinating dive uh, uh, Bioware has a, a, a reputation for storytelling for a reason. They yes. absolutely value that. They treasure that. Um, they do a great deal to promote the writers and the writing. And I have nothing but the deepest respect for Bioware and everybody that was on the team. Um, wonderful people. And they've many of them have gone on to other fantastic projects. Um, uh, the, the creative director, uh, James Olin, has opened a new studio uh, with Wizard, for Wizards of the Coast. Um, and they are nice. working on, uh, I, I think it has a name, I don't remember it, but it's another science fiction based uh, MMO. Um, and uh, I have great respect for James Olin and I can't wait to see what he and his incredibly talented team uh, end up coming up with. But, um, but yeah, so, so having worked on Old Republic, I was prepared, I was ready for more Star Wars movies. Um, and then of course, you know, they, they announce the first of the Star Wars sequels, um, The Force Awakens. And, uh, uh, and yeah, I, I could not, I could, that, that was in 2015. I could not be more pumped and more ready and more prepared. I think something that you said earlier, at the risk of kind of like dipping into a, a mildly negative aspect of this universe we all love, like you said, um, having these characters that we relate to um, and, and having, seeing ourselves on the screen, I think some of the, um, the other side of the coin of that, that ownership culture that you talked about, about how we, we sort of feel a certain dominion, a certain ownership over the, these, these properties, that kind of took an uglier turn when the, um, the, the, the final trilogy came out. And rather than having a Luke Skywalker, a Han Solo and a, and a, uh, a Princess Leia as your sort of like big three characters, 
we had Daisy Ridley, John Boyega, and Oscar Isaac, and there were a lot of people who grew up with this outer space, but still kind of like racially homogenous universe because it was the time. We have to give credit to the, the 70s and 80s for n people not being as culturally aware as they should be. But a lot of people had a hard time accepting, oh, so we have a woman, a person of color, and a Latino man as our trilogy. And oh, on top of it, we have um, you know Rose Tico, and we're going to bully Kelly Marie Tran off of social media. Uh, I, I enjoyed the the uh, the final trilogy of films, but I did not enjoy the sort of like toxic culture reaction of the entitled fandom that oh. came as a result of that of people who, especially, and I'm going to ding my own folks for this. I mean, I'm going to ding the white people because I, I am a white people, but I'm fucking tired of white people. Of, for of real. Look, yeah, just stop your white people bullshit of, of thinking that these these films were somehow less than because our leads didn't look like them anymore. Right. And that really bothered me. Right. No, I, and I thought it could have been a perfect marriage of of the old generation. That's the whole reason why you had, you know, Carrie Fisher and Harrison Ford and Mark Hamill in these movies. Yeah. Because they're they're bridging the gap, you know. Yes. Uh, uh, they're they're handing the baton Pass off to the, the torch. new generation. Yeah. Right. And it's great. It's great. The, uh, the 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 uh, the concept of what they were trying to do was fantastic. And I had no yes. problems with any of the casting, any of the characters, any of the uh, uh, stuff that they were doing. Um, my, my soul, and it's, it's unfortunately quite strong. My sole criticism for the star Wars universe, uh, is the last Jedi. And we don't really even have to get into it that much. Um, <laughs> suffice to say that for me, for me, and I am speaking solely of myself, um, it is the worst possible star Wars movie that I could imagine. It might oh, be a wow. great space movie. It might be an interesting alternate space opera movie. But like I saw Star a lot of parallels Wars? drawn between The Last Jedi and the last season of Game of Thrones in that we have these characters that are established, that are beloved, that have these incredibly long-running character motivations, and then we're just going to take all of that shit and throw it out and turn Luke Skywalker into a crabby curmudgeon. We're going to turn yeah. Daenerys Targaryen into a person who could burn an entire village with a dragon. We've, we've, we've got these characters that we love for a reason because we can relate to them because their motivations, if yeah. not always pure, or at least, you know, uh, they're, they're, in, they're consistent. They're in keeping with the character. So yeah. now... We have these characters that that either that due to studio pressure or due to creator misunderstanding or whatever. I, I will rail it all day against against toxic fandom of saying, hey, I own this on some level and I'm going to ding you because you're doing things I don't like. But occasionally it is justified. And you're absolutely right. right. I think in the case of yeah. The Last Jedi, a lot of the criticisms and especially the one that you just made, um, somebody who's who's had a hand in crafting aspects of the Empire, not the Empire, but the Empire, um, <laughs> it, it, it carries a lot more weight. It makes me feel yeah. better about my personal feelings about that film because, you know, you, you've been in the belly of the beast and you feel the same way about it that I do. Yeah, and you know, and it's not. Uh, it 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 almost it makes me sad. Like now, when I talk about the Last Jedi, it just makes me sad. And by the way, nothing is a testament to to how incorrect that movie got many of these things that Jim just outlined. Then watching, going back to our reaction videos, yeah. watch the reaction video for the Mandalorian episode where Luke Skywalker shows up to rescue Grogu. Oh hell yeah! Watch mm -hmm. that. Watch the tears. Watch the the people cheering. Watch that's our watch Luke. the joy that these people are feeling. And this should have been, in my opinion, this should have been the most obvious thing to give fans. If you want to print money, that is how you do it. Favreau and Filoni showed us how to do it. And it's, it's not it, making Luke a grumpy exile. Right. It is It is the highest rated of the Mandalorian episodes. Uh, people still continue to talk I about I was it. literally on the edge of my seat when that happened. I'm like, yeah. I yeah. saw the X-Wing and I'm like, oh shit. 
Yeah. Really? Oh, here we go. Yeah. And then no. and then they show the figure walking through the hallway and the lightsaber come out. And I'm like, oh, the undeniable shit. silhouette. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I almost kind of refuse to allow myself to believe it at first. As I'm watching, yeah. I'm like, no, no, no. It's going to be a bait and switch. They're going to, it's going to be some new Jedi we've never heard about or some obscure Jedi or it's going to be, you know, Ezra or who knows. I was, I just couldn't. Given what I had experienced up to that point with the, the, the sequels, I refuse yeah. to allow myself to hope. And then that um, elevator door opens, and you see oh, yeah. his face, and it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, but again, it, that goes back to like what you talked about about the torch passing thing. I mean, um, Luke became a Jedi at the hands of his master Yoda, so now yeah. he's going to be taking uh, custody of another of Yoda's kind, and and we obviously we don't know where that's going yet, but it really is a beautiful moment of synchronicity and, and going back again to that sort of like hero's journey of like, you always return to your origin point in yep. a way. Yep. And no, I it had the us- same, yeah. I had the same feeling when they brought back uh, the Boba Fett character Yeah, because they brought him back in a way that wasn't, I mean, cause they brought him back in the extended universe as well. And it was kind of, you know, he just begrudgingly takes up his position as, as leader of Mandalore and all this shit. Yeah. But in, uh, in, in the way that they brought him back, uh beaten and scarred and and just trying to get back to phase one and then doing time in the sarlacc pit will change him man it does and we get to see him reclaim his 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 thing and then he gets to use his knee rockets he got to use his (laughs) knee rockets but but now we get to see and and then we're like okay well what are they going to do with this character are they going to stay true to this character and then they showed uh, the little uh, teaser for Book of Boba Fett, and it's like, oh shit, he's going to be a badass. Yeah, he's going to be the badass rockets. that we wanted him to be yeah. that we did not get because he was built up so and hyped so hard. Oh yeah, and, and he's a lot of people's favorite character. Yeah, but we really, I mean, outside of the extended universe books, we've really gotten next to nothing about he him. He just warbles a Wilhelm and gets tossed off the float platform into the Starlight right. Pit, and that's right. the end of Boba that's Fett. That's it. Right. Yeah, you know, and, and, and but, people I mean, screaming, "Oh, fan service! It's fan service!" Call it whatever you want. I don't give I a call fuck it, what you call right, it. I love right. it. I call it smart marketing. It's smart storytelling. It is. It's giving... exactly what Aaron just said. Even something so small as using those knee rockets is actually giving the fans what the fuck they want, what they've yeah. always mm-hmm. wanted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so for, for me, and again, I, I really, cause I could spend an entire podcast talking about why I disliked last Jedi, but for me, the, the, the thing that stood out about everything else was how much Ryan Johnson did not understand star Wars. Yeah. Um, and that yeah. to me is the unforgivable sin, not, not any specific thing that he did in the story. Although I have complaints with that. Uh, like yeah. I said, if Ryan Johnson had made a space opera movie and called it, you know, uh, uh, the last the last space centurion, and it had followed pretty much everything that happened in the last Jedi, but had none of the characters that we knew. I would have gone, huh, oh, that was that was kind of an entertaining movie. But because um, he tried to wrap it in the blanket of Star Wars, but because he broke so much about the Star Wars universe and disregarded so much about yes. the Star Wars universe that to me it was a slap in the face. No, it wasn't genius or inventive or flipping the genre on its ear or any of the other things I've heard. It was it desecration. Praised. Right. It was It was saying, oh, you like this? You like this? Watch, I'm going to put it on the ground and stomp on it. How's that? Take How everything you, like you love and I'm going to tear it apart. And that's not to right. say that's not to say that Ryan Johnson is not a gifted filmmaker. I love Luke. No, he Luke. is. No, he is. I, I'm actually but a fan just, of Ryan Johnson. But yeah, but so but putting him in, in as, as, as a, uh, a steward of that universe 
it's it's really easy to armchair quarterback it, but you're not at all wrong in your assessment of that. I felt the same way about it, and it makes me feel better that I feel the way about it, that you feel about it, because you have much more of a platform to stand on to express an opinion about these things than I do. Yeah. Um, but it, it's still, you're absolutely right. They took everything we loved and just kind of stepped on it. And in fact, it, I did, it's not even that I thought necessarily the rise of Skywalker was a brilliant uh, finale. I didn't. But what I applauded about the rise of Skywalker is that a lot of the creatives at Disney uh, with the Star Wars movie went, oops, you know, we fucked up. How do we fix this? And it's almost like the last, the, the Rise of Skywalker was specifically written to undo all the terrible yeah. crap. We're not only going to undo all the shit done. that we did in, in Last Jedi, we're finally going to give Chewie that medal because we're really going to tie up all of our loose ends. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Talk about just going in and, you know, they're just started, you know, rubbing, rubbing off all the pay no okay. attention to that movie behind exactly. the curtain. Exactly. <laughs> and so, and so the people who love The Last Jedi were like, oh, we can't believe that, you know, Rise of Skywalker did this and this and this and this. And in my mind, I'm going, yes, 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 yes. I'm yeah. glad. And again, it's not, it, it is not by any means a brilliant Star Wars movie, um, but at least it's more Star Wars than The Last yes. Jedi will ever be. Right. And Agreed. I think we have a real uh, strong possibility that, and I've heard it said before that. Uh, they've had in interviews and, and articles talking about how the future of Star Wars may not necessarily be on the big screen. And I kind of, uh, I kind of, and I'm fine I, with that. By I kind way. of understand that yeah. and because yeah. we're getting such deep and abiding storytelling through like the Mandalorian. We're expanding the universe in such a vast way with the Mandalorian. We're expanding the yeah. universe uh, with Clone Wars and with Rebels. And now with Bad Batch, we get to expand yeah. uh, that corner of the universe. And, and now we've got the Obi-Wan limited series coming out. It's going to expand that time frame and the potential for Amara Jade and Luke Skywalker series that'll expand that knowledge that way. And we're getting this, this ability and this uh, desire, I think, of the filmmakers and the storytellers to really take it in a direction that enables them and allows them to uh, tell more story in a in a more controlled environment that doesn't have to be this humongous sprawling epic it certainly can be if they want it yeah. to be but yeah. it doesn't have to like we, with the mandalorian some of the best moments of the mandalorian aren't the big space battles aren't the big you know fights it's the the tender moments that we oh, get because it's slower paced absolutely <clears throat> and, no and, the, and, and then the there's such funny little things too like realizing that apparently in space boston still exists because bill burr didn't bother deep sitting his accent <laughs> for mayfield at all hey that's south Karelian. that's south Karelian. <laughs> hey, south south Karelian. Karelian. shut up but uh, but no uh, the heart of that show is <clears throat> absolutely the relationship between mando and yes. grogu Right, um, yeah. That show would not be what it is without that at its heart. And um, we needed that kind of time frame to build that relationship. Yep. And and, yep. and, 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 and I, by the way, what a difference it makes, right? You can see in, in Clone War, Rebels, in, in Mandalorian, what difference, what a difference it makes to have creators who love Star Wars. You can see the result as opposed to somebody who might have seen Star Wars and then thinks they can yeah. come up with a brilliant Star Wars movie. Well, well, right. But look at the person, the people that are behind this. You know, these are the people that we've now handed the keys to the castle to. Yes. The people that have been such uh, stalwart stewards of the franchises. Ascended uh, fans. Dan, yes. Uh, yeah. Dave Filioni and, and, yeah. and, and John Favreau. Dave Filioni Favreau and Favreau and... have constantly talked about their love of star wars yeah and it shows it shows and i think uh, that's what's you can see that translated in everything that they do and in fact i mean like i said i try to find something that i can enjoy in everything i mean i wasn't the biggest uh 
uh, solo fan, for instance. Uh, Which I enjoyed. I enjoyed right. very much. I enjoy it to a degree. I mean, I'm not. I'm not like like on a soapbox preaching that I loved it or I hated it. Right. I liked it for what it was, but I think there were definite nods in there that made it a better flick than it could have been. And I mean, and it was yeah. a very troubled uh, production from start to finish. It was. It was. Uh, and I think that Ron Howard gets unfairly shit on for that. But yeah. Um, well, solo. I solo to me was was kind of a misfire, not having anything to do with the story or anything having to do with the actual filmmaking process. But I was irritated at the casting. Now, of course, again, it's easy to armchair quarterback this shit when all is said and done and the box office results are in. But I really feel like that movie is sort of the lowest grossing film in the Star Wars universe right now, um, specifically because, and again, this is going to be a Google moment for folks if they want to go and look at this up. Um, Alden Ehrenreich was not the best choice for that role. There's a guy named Anthony Ingruber, and he you played the young version guy. of Harrison yeah. Ford in Age of Adeline yeah. with yeah. Blake Lively. And this guy looks and has an impression of like a vocal impression of Harrison Ford. If you, if you Google Anthony Ingruber, I-N-G-R-U-B-E-R, Age of Adeline on YouTube, you can find a clip of this cat playing the younger version of Harrison Ford character in Age of Adeline. And he's got the voice down. He's got the look oh, down. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Harrison Ford has been making movies for a long time. This yeah. guy is, is the young Harrison Ford. And apparently he auditioned for this film and they passed on him in favor of ostensibly a bigger name that they thought might be able to actually draw people in and carry the film better. But they, they bunked off on, on, on casting a, a character that was practically a clone of a young Harrison Ford. Yeah, which and by contrast, uh, uh, the 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 young black actor who was who was Lando. Uh, oh yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Donald, Donald Glover, Glover, the the, the uh, once oh my God, Glover, Glover was channeling Billy yes. D. Williams. It was stunning. Man. Yeah, it was his voice, his mannerisms. I was I, at first, I honestly thought Billy D. Williams had dubbed him. <laughs> They had gotten Billy D. Williams. They got Lando dumb. as right as they got Han wrong in that film. So it was well, just right. a real and missed see, opportunity. And that's the thing that you got to do with these movies. And and, and I, I'm guilty of this as well. I, I I stem into toxic fandom from time to time. And it's something that I, I purposely set myself back and I go, no, okay, I've got to take a more, a higher, high-minded approach to this. <laughs> but I try to find what I can with each and every one of these movies to kind of pull out of it. I mean, and even with The Last Jedi, you know, it's like, well, I love that throne room battle. That yeah. was fantastic. No, there are moments I mean, in Last Jedi that really work. Uh, I actually like everything about the relationship building between uh, Kylo and Rey. I, I, again, I, I don't, I don't hate Last Jedi as a movie per se. Right. I hate it as a Star Wars movie. Right. No, I agree. Yeah. yeah. But but it's like we said with with uh, Solo, like you know what they got with Donald Glover versus what they got with. Uh, with uh, with solo there that what they who yeah. they cast and and some of the storytelling aspects I, I just have to dive into it and go I liked that that was yeah. really cool the, the yeah. character of Dryden Voss the space gangster I kind of like that you know yeah the tie to Darth Maul okay that's a little tenuous but uh, yeah and <laughs> and by the way I think they they forced uh, in my opinion they uh -huh. forced some of the bad decisions onto uh onto abrams with the rise of skywalker yes uh, for all those people who complained about oh really ray was the granddaughter of palpatine well she didn't have to be but she did after the last jedi 
They had an unenviable task they handed to J.J. Abrams. Instead of like saying, you get to tell your own story, here's a laundry list of shit you need to fix. So find a way to do that with a larger narrative structure. Exactly. And so that now, now to to bring fan service back into it, now almost Abrams was handcuffed into forcibly trying to find fan service moments uh, that he could fix this trilogy with uh, because of how it had gone off the rails. And by the way, let me just say, God bless Mark Hamill. I love this man. I love Mark mm-hmm. Hamill. And I hope, <laughs> I hope I get to meet him before either one of us passes on. But uh, Mark Hamill tried to warn us. There are literally dozens of videos that you can go and watch where he is telling you, this is not Luke Skywalker. I don't know who this is. And it's, it's, it's you know, it's his movie. It's Ryan Johnson's movie. Sure. Okay. I'm an actor. I'll go with it. But this is not Luke Skywalker. And he was right. He was right. It took um, balls to do that because, I mean, he is Luke Skywalker. But for him to go out there and say, look, I'm playing this role because it's my role to play. I'm contracted to do it. I agreed to do it. But what I don't agree with is the direction they've taken the character. Exactly. And when that char- when the guy who's been playing this character and has been living for decades with the love of this character is warning you, is telling you, hey, guys, this isn't. This isn't the character that I've been playing and that has been written about in countless books and comics and 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 no, no, nobody listen, you know. Well, let's just let Ryan Johnson do whatever Ryan Johnson wants to do. Caution okay. bumps ahead. Yeah, okay, fine. Uh, <laughs> but that said, that yeah. said, the, the the sequels that that's done. We're done with the Skywalker saga. And and thank yep. God. Okay, it's over. Yeah. Uh, now, as we all pointed out, we've got Disney Plus doing a series of new shows, uh, young Obi-Wan. They're, do, they're doing a young uh, Luke Skywalker uh, series in development. Uh, they're going to be doing more Mandalorian. They're going to be doing a Boba Fett uh, uh, special. They're, they're now going to be giving us plenty of what the fans loved about the original movies uh, in the TV series. And movies can now be be the bigger... Okay, here's this completely new cast of characters uh, still in Star Wars, but in a completely different setting. Right, they've cut um, it free. They've, yeah. they've set it free to yeah. be exactly what you said. Exactly. To be this movie in space, tangentially connected to Star Wars if it needs to be, right. Right. but not combat, not not forced to expand on the on the characters. Yeah. That and we now, are. because after are. forty years, you understand the rules of this universe. So we've got a very clearly defined set of expectations and a very thick. Uh, tapestry of, of what you know you can expect. So we're going to give you more of what you want. We're not going to we're not going to step on you anymore. Right, right. I, I mean, how that what which by the way they should have done to begin with. But now, now if they give us some weird curmudgeonly Jedi that doesn't want to use the Force and is stuck on some backwater world somewhere milking sea cows, I won't care because <laughs> it's not Luke Skywalker. So sure, introduce a character like that. I'll I, I'll sit there and go, huh? What a quirky Jedi master. Um, and I won't care. I won't care. Just because don't make a Luke Skywalker. Quirky right? Luke, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, this is something that seriously, I think we could talk about all day. And 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 definitely, Aaron, I want to say that uh, you're welcome back to the podcast any any time. And we can definitely uh, go down these rabbit holes that uh, uh, that that are obvious and, and apparent to anyone who's listening. So. I would um, love to have a Dune, uh, a Dune uh, oh episode with you folks. Well, consider that, that be... in the pipe. Then we'll, we'll definitely yeah. line that up. I'm looking forward to that movie, and 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 of course it's too. got Oscar Isaac in it, so that's yeah. fantastic. It's got a Star Wars yeah. tie right there. Yeah. No, I'm um, I I am the biggest Dune fan, certainly that I know. 
you are. I'm gonna have, I'm gonna have to brush sure. up and watch the 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 original again. Have I you have you that. read the novel? No. Oh my god. Okay, you have a homework assignment. I got through it in junior high. It's been about thirty years for me. Please so read I it again, to... folks. Read it yeah. again before you go see the movie. Yeah. Certainly. But it's brilliant. It is it is endearing. Uh, sci-fi and it is one of the most popular sci-fi settings with good reason with good reason it's fantastic on the plus side i have a job that requires me to sit and wait a whole lot so perfect uh, I, i've been using that time lately to read the invincible comics because i just got done watching season one of invincible on amazon prime and my daughter and i are working through those that she's really enjoying them she's fucking really incredible yeah that's yeah. really it's that's funny because I, I still think of elena as being like 12 years old so i'm like why is she watching oh no wait wait it's been a couple years so yeah she's probably fine <laughs> yeah no <laughs> she's, a, like... she's gonna be 17 uh this oh, year and god how is yeah, that no possible? she she loves by the possible. way and and i am so proud of her as a fan uh yeah. Uh, just to briefly jump back into what Kevin was saying about watching Lord of the Rings with 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 uh, his family, um, it, it it does become the shared community experience. Where now, yes. if she's just sitting out in the living room with me, um, and we're talking, she'll want me to put on the Lord of the Ring movie in the background. It, she's not yeah. even paying attention to it, but it's soothing to her. It's comforting to her. She remembers That's, me uh, cr cuddling her on the couch, wrapped in a big comforter, watching the Lord of the Rings movies. That's um, so good. And and that's a that's memory so she's good. never going to forget. And she's probably going to share that with her children. Isn't that um, yeah, One hopes. So it is. It, it is such a wonderful. And, and just to bring this all back full circle, this is what Star Wars has given us, folks. Star Wars has given us a communal shared experience that all of us love for various different reasons. But what we have in common is we all love it. And yes. we've made it part of our own psyche, our own family, our own memories. And that's, that is just you, that, that is worth its weight in gold. Well, that is a button if I've ever heard one. So uh, I, I want, first of all, uh, Aaron Diorive, I want to thank you so much for being our guest today. I know uh, we, we've, we've had a lot of these conversations sort of offline, sort of uh, on, well, not online, but like off mic about this pop culture stuff. So I just knew as soon as Kevin suggested we should do something about Star Wars, I thought there's only one person I really want to talk to about that. So I can't thank you enough for, uh, for coming on the show and, and lending us your, 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 your voice, your credibility and your history and, and helping us kind of uh, really understand why these things are so popular, so important and why we love them so very much. So thank you for coming on the program. Well, thank Absolutely. you for inviting me. I, I've had a great time uh, guys and I will come back anytime you want me to. We're going to hold you to that. So now, if again, just in case anyone has forgotten, uh, you can find us online at feelyourfandom at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, which is facebook.com forward slash feelyourfandom. And uh, send us show ideas, guest suggestions, and pie recipes at fyftalentbooking at gmail.com. And of course, you can always find us at our primary streaming site at feelyourfandom.buzzsprout.com. And one more time for those in the back there, Aaron, uh, how can they find uh, the Gentleman Podcast and, and all of your, your, your locations there? Uh, we are available at thegentlemannerds.com. You can find all our podcasts there. You can also uh, uh, download the, the, the podcast, again, wherever podcasts are available. I know iTunes, but other than that, uh, I'm not <laughs> sure. But the Gentleman Nerds, thegentlemannerds.com. Uh, I am also available. I don't do a lot of shared uh, media sort of things. I am on Facebook and you can add me if you wish. 
I will probably not add you if I don't know you personally as a friend, but you can follow me. Uh, I warning, I do post a lot of political stuff. Um, so <laughs> we uh, love you. So, oh, so and, and but, definitely go out and buy Aaron's book, Blade Singer. It's a fantastic young adult novel set in a fantasy world of I got to read that one too. Yeah. I loved it. And and if anybody that's that's uh, you know sort of uh, it's it's not just you know it, it's kind of like. Um, you don't have to be any anybody 14 years or up anybody like junior high era or, or up is going to be able to handle the thematics in it the reading is great um it's it's the, the, that i don't know how you managed to do it but you managed to write a young adult novel that'd be that's accessible to uh to, to kids of that age but also absolutely is holds holds the attention and the imagination of readers of any age and i loved it well thank you and i think a lot of the credit goes to my amazing co-writer martha wells uh, who is now getting uh, deserved kudos and praise for her Murderbot uh, Diary uh, books. Please look up Martha Wells' The Murderbot Diaries. Uh, she has won the Nebula, the Hugo, uh, the Campbell, every award that you can possibly imagine. Uh, she's brilliantly gifted. And she wrote, uh, co-wrote the, uh, the, the novel Blade Singer with me. And so if it sings and it is wonderful and it is amazing, it is due to Martha Wells. So uh, please get, give it a look. Uh, and and I, would, I would love to, to get your, uh, your, to get your uh, feedback on, on what you think of the world. But uh, yeah, thank you so much, Jim. Well, thank and, you. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, we're going to hold you to that. We'll bring you back on the podcast anytime, man. So perfect. Uh, uh, from us to you, I want to remind you guys that uh, we also have our very first live stream podcast coming up. Uh, that's going to be on June 12th at noon Pacific. And so uh, if you have an opportunity, uh, jump in and, and uh, throw us uh, questions and uh you can ask us questions about the show. You can bring up any kind of nerd topic and we'll kind of address it as we come across them. But we've decided that our overriding theme of that episode, and, and of course, don't be beholden to that, is going to be talking about who is your favorite Batman actor and, oh, why. and why. And why. So Ooh, that's, that's, gonna, that's a great topic. I, I love it. Uh, Batman is, it, is has a very a, rich mind of material, a rich <laughs> vein of material to mine from that, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And so uh, I'm looking forward to doing that. Uh, but uh, from us to you, I want to remind you all that uh, uh, what I try to remind everybody every single time is that everything is fandom and fandom is everything. Take care, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>